This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Hopefully you're catching us live. Uh, for the first time, we are actually streaming live here for a signing day special it's the 2022 recruiting class uh, here in December, early signing period, 23 different players putting pen to paper, finalizing plans with the Nittany Lions. Nearly half of that group will be on campus in just a matter of weeks uh, for the spring semester and winter conditioning and all that. But Sean, a lot to go through. A couple of players not on this list who were on it in the morning in terms of commits. Uh, ultimately, Penn State right now at 7 p.m. in the evening. I, I've got them situated at number six nationally, number number two in the Big Ten among national recruiting classes. Yeah, number six right now. Um, the dust has mostly settled. Um, for those of you getting to go in and, you know, or, or just getting to this, the early signing period is open for a couple of days. Um, then it's going to shut for the dead period for December. Um, so, but everything pretty much happens on the first day. There'll be a couple of guys that maybe secretly sign and announce during January's uh, all-star games, but that's not, that's not a Penn State thing. Jason Away did it a couple of years ago. Devon Ellis did it a couple of years ago, um, but it really hasn't it's not going to affect Penn State this time around. So um, what you see is what you get. 23 commits, number six in the country right now. Um, very interesting that they're number six right now because I had them falling to, you know, the eight, nine level based on other schools making crazy moves and stuff like that today. But you look at the schools behind them. Um, I'm probably getting this out of order, but Notre Dame, Michigan, uh, North Carolina should be set for the early signing period. Um, that, that might be something that changes in January or something like that. Um, you know, uh, Oklahoma's back behind at number 10, I believe. That's probably going to be one of those schools that moves up based on a coaching change, bringing in Brent Venables. Um, but uh, for the most part, Penn State sitting at six is pretty good news. Um, you know, you, all the calamity and everything above them are is really what, you know, is crazy uh, with Texas A&M, with Georgia, with Alabama, sort of distancing themselves from everyone. And then, of course, Ohio State's just above uh, Penn State. Not a ton of action uh, for the Buckeyes today. But being at number six, man, uh, we, we said this on the podcast earlier this week. We said it this morning. We're going to say it to you a million times. James Franklin and his staff, really, really terrific job pulling this class together, especially considering all the circumstances. And this was a group that started back in July of 2020 in, in the kind of the deepest, darkest days of the COVID-19 pandemic when we weren't sure when players would get to campus. And ultimately, it turned out that Caden Saunders would have to wait about 10 months till he could come to Penn State, formerly go to team facilities. But that's the kind of cycle this was. And yet, as Penn State goes four and five along the way and then follows it up with seven and five, Somehow, some way, losing their defensive coordinator uh, on the brink of signing day, they get to the finish line. And, and there's two guys who aren't part of this class. We're going to go through the group uh, that did sign, but but a couple that were not on this list at the end of the day that were on the commit list in the morning. 
let's address the Andre Roy situation first out of St. Francis down in Baltimore. Sean, this was a very precarious situation down the stretch. Visited Southern Cal uh, and new head coach Lincoln Riley over the weekend. Uh, Maryland was in play. You had mentioned that a couple times. I know you and Brian Doan talked about it this morning and ultimately uh, signing with the Maryland Terrapins and and it's over. <laughs> yeah, it is over. Sorry, I had some mic issues there in the the first time around that's my fault um it was coming through the airpods for some reason um but yeah this one uh you know not a surprise that he didn't go to penn state we put our notes up this morning thought thought he was going to usc and you know that was something we picked up from our penn state uh people um that that we thought it was going to usc just uh usc west not uh, not south carolina which will come into the story a little bit later um but uh flips to maryland um maryland's made a habit of making these late uh, signing day pushes and things like that. It's become a, a staple of, of what Mike Loxley has done. Um, in fact, they have a lot of their success. Most of their success comes on signing day. And then Roy was not the only one from St. Francis. A couple of hours later, Jay Sean Barham flips from South Carolina. And then a few hours later, when Shane Beamer's asked about that, that he had some interesting things to say because he, he was talking about um, what they, when they got the call from Jay Sean Barham on Saturday, he got a call about 10 minutes later saying, hey, this is all ruse. They're going to commit to Maryland. So wasn't all that surprised when it happened today. But that makes you think, especially with Andre Roy, when you talk about what he did and how he committed to Penn State back in September. I remember I was out in Wisconsin at the time and uh, away from things, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. He committed to basically he said, I'm committed to Penn State on the Internet. Didn't call the staff before he did it didn't have a staff edit, which is kind of become the gold standard for what you would look for in a, in an official commitment, things like that. Then we heard he went to Maryland a couple of days later. So with the benefit of hindsight, you're feeling like maybe Penn state got played here too. Yeah, maybe this recruitment, at least the relationship as it stood between Penn state and Andre Roy should not have lingered into this stage of the cycle. Perhaps it would have been best for a party in a ways at an earlier stage, but Penn State is where they are in terms of the offensive line class. Uh, I, I, we're going to get to it in a moment, but this is going to be an area that they continue to explore in the transfer market. We've already seen a new offer go out uh, at this stage, a couple actually on the offensive line. But in, in terms of, of, of who else is missing, and, and that was such a bizarre circumstance and, and the St. Francis duo as things circulate, they're going to take some heat there. The coaching staff's going to take some heat there. You're going to be curious how that maybe impacts the way their players are recruited or, or whether co other coaching staffs are going to need to clear the air moving forward down there. But that aside, a school that we're familiar with here is Lackawanna College and, and, and producing one signing today, J.B. Nelson, who just got bumped up to four-star status on 24-7 Sports last week. Uh, he's in this class. He, he played at tackle for them last year, Lackawanna. But one of their safeties, and you've heard this before, Lackawanna safety making his way to State College. Tyrese Mills has been committed since May. He did not sign today. Um, had a chance to catch up with him a bit this afternoon. And Mills confirming something that, Sean, you had reported a bit earlier this week. Some academic things need to be cleared up. Uh, some of those uh, need to be re-examined between now and February, which is a traditional signing day, uh, that first Wednesday in February. And for all intents and purposes, at this moment, Tyrese Mills uh, fully committed to signing uh, on, on that, that Wednesday in February with Penn State. Uh, they would add a guy that that they offered very fast after his first junior college game. There's obviously a lot of trust and a track record in place between that Lackawanna staff and this Penn State staff. And then you factor in that Deion Barnes, an assistant on this defensive staff with the Nittany Lions, 
was the defensive coordinator at Northeast High School when Tyrese Mills was playing there. And, and you have Ken Talley coming in from Northeast. So there's a lot of track record there, a lot of history. And you just hope for Tyrese Mills' case, uh, a guy that has really worked his way into getting this Power 5 opportunity, following the footsteps of Jaquan Brisker, Jair Brown. Um, but he's got to get some things in order. And if not, you know, come February, he'll have to shuffle his expectations a bit. And Penn State may be in the market for another safety, although – a little more clarity on what that position room is going to look like here coming out of today. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but yeah, the hesitation on is is on Penn State's end. It's not on Mills' end. Mills wants to be at Penn State. He's got some things to take care of. So, you know, if you're Penn State, and, and explain this on the, the podcast uh, this morning with Brian Doan, um, if you sign him and you don't take him, you you lose one of your initial counters. And th- those things are valuable right now because they're, they count for scholarship guys you're bringing in, potential transfers and things like that. So cost yourself a scholarship without using a scholarship is obviously something you you want to avoid. So Mills is going to keep working. He's going to uh, keep trying to figure out how he can get here. He wasn't coming in in January anyway, um, but how he's going to get there next spring. And I think that's um, something to look for in the long haul there. You mentioned uh, suddenly we have a little bit more clarity in the defensive backfield. Um, it's because Makai Flowers and Christian Driver, two guys that we've been stumping for, um, as d- potential defensive backs that were, I guess, recruited as um, wide receivers, they have, you know, I I, I don't want to say it's I, both both on both on both of those guys. The ceiling is higher on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think there's any question about it in my mind. I know you know these guys have wanted to play offense. Everybody wants to have the ball in their hand, um, but can be solid receivers. I think can be great safety. So you add him to KJ Winston, who, you know, if you follow the show at all, you know, I love KJ Winston. Um, you know, that's all of a sudden a really good safety class. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. And Terry Smith said this afterwards, potentially starting Christian driver at corner, potentially, I think James Franklin said starting KJ Winston at corner to work those guys in, get them coverage skills, sort of like they did with Zaki Wheatley, although Zaki Wheatley might stick at uh, corner. So some interesting, I don't want to say death pieces, but interesting numbers games uh, played there in the defensive backfield. They are quite enamored right now with this length, that cornerback. I mean, you have everything you could want in that department with Joey Porter Jr. right now at cornerback, but that's really where James Franklin went to with K.J. Winston. Look, they think he could play uh, that nickel corner spot. They think he can play safety, but you know, part of their imagination, James Franklin admits that maybe he could play cornerback. And why wouldn't you take a long look at that situation, especially if, if, if you're going to get this guy in a spot where he's getting a lot of practice reps and you may not need him to play in games right away. Although in the case of Winston in particular, and I see we have a question here from uh, Ryan about who can make an impact on the defensive side of the football right away. I'll, I'll just throw this out. James Franklin, uh, in referencing both KJ Winston and your guy, Sean, denied Dennis Sutton saying, even though they aren't early enrollees, have the ability to hit the ground running, play football for this team in 2022. I thought that was quite the thing because James Franklin, he's very cautious to talk about who's going to play football nine months from now when he's discussing a bunch of high school players. But he talked about Denai and KJ both having that opportunity, despite the fact that they're showing up after those 15 spring practices. Well, I think that says something about the positions that they have on campus right now. Defensive end, we know, has been thin. Um, you know, you're going to lose uh, Arnold Ebicati. You're going to lose uh, Jesse Lucetta. So you need guys to step in there, and they're probably going to have to hit the portal to find a, a pass rusher there. Um, but uh, that's, I think that certainly goes into it. Deny is 6'5", 250. He's built like a Greek god. I mean, he's really put together for an incoming freshman. And I think that the hesitation there, 
um, is that he just hasn't played a ton of football in the last two years. Got the the junior year wiped out by COVID, and of course this year dislocated his elbow. So would like to see him have a few more reps under his belt, but I think he's got the talent to do so. I think he's he's able to do so. And then you look at safety, uh, you lose uh, Tyler Rudolph and Enzo Jennings to the portal. Jaquan Brisker is going to go pro. You're planning on having Jair Brown back. You're planning on having Keaton Ellis back and Jaden uh, Jaden Reed um, did a really good job this year as a true freshman, but you always want to have four. So could see one of those guys popping in there. If, if Tyrese Mills isn't able to come in and step, step in right away to that too deep, that's an opportunity for somebody to step up. Yeah, we'll be watching that one closely. And by the way, in terms of guys, where do they see themselves? It sounds like there was more convincing involved with Christian Driver about the defensive plan, uh, whereas Makai Flowers may be always leaning towards defense personally uh, coming out of these conversations today. Maybe a little bit of convincing, but ultimately Christian Driver gave up that decision, put it in the coaching staff's hand. And as Franklin noted, in the case of both Christian Driver and Makai Flowers, keep an eye on them for special team return roles. And keep an eye on them still on offense at receiver, he said. And and, and yeah, we did just see Marquise Wilson do a little bit in game action at cornerback and receiver. He finished the year on the practice field focused on defense, but at least they can say they've done it before uh, in these conversations now, Sean. And, and, um, and, and I think – I don't want to step on you, but I think yeah. if you're looking for an early impact, it's probably going to be the offensive side of the ball. And it's a good question mm-hmm. um, for Ryan, but like it's it, – I, I see more guys on offense being able to step in and play, and that's a combination of the positions. And and some of these guys you know, have a ways to go. I mean, I, I love Abdul. Carter, but I don't think Abdul Carter is ready to step in at, at linebacker right away or as an edge rusher right away and get going. So some of these guys might take a little bit of time um, to, to to build them up a little bit, but uh, we'll see. And, and I think that's why, you know, you look at the portal and say that's probably where your, your early impact guys, quote unquote, are going to come from. And it sure will be big to get denied Dennis Sutton coming in and 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 play at a level where you can trust him in some kind of a two deep a role by the time Big Ten conference action is upon you. Because James Franklin said this, he he juxtaposes against the, well, a lot of the guys that Penn State has brought in, a lot of the types of guys they brought in. He said this is not some kind of undersized defensive end that you're going to have to bulk up and and do all that before you get to the field. They feel like he could play anywhere in the country. He happened to pick Penn State. Maybe there isn't that big sample size documented because of what happened as a high school upperclassman. But James Franklin is describing the kind of defensive lineman that Penn State uh, hasn't come across very often uh, during his time here and and the kind of guy that is pretty rare, really across Power 5 football. Well, Alabama and Georgia wanted him. What else do you want to hear? Right. You know, it's it's just that's the biggest win of this cycle. Um, when you take into account when these guys committed, what they were doing, and I think Nick Singleton's right up there as well. But denied in a Sutton took official visits to Alabama and Georgia. That means they wanted him. They came after him very hard, and Penn State was able to fight them off. And I I don't know if I can, you know, if I can translate how impressive that is um, because Penn State doesn't win those battles, and they they did that this time. Someone asked, uh, does Singleton become running back one day one? We haven't even talked about the quarterback spot. Of course, number one quarterback in our rankings at 24-7 Sports, Drew Aller signing today. He was the first name revealed as signing with Penn State. But in terms of this question, I think he's got a chance here. I wouldn't rule him out. Nick Singleton has been in communication with J1 Sider, as you'd expect, uh, with this Penn State staff. And, and what they're telling him is, come here, work, get the job. 
Um, and Nick Singleton will have a jump start on that coming in in January, but so will Katron Allen. I think Penn State feels like they've got the best running back tandem class in college football. Uh, if you heard from Cooper Patagna on our, our recent podcast here on Monday, national recruiting analyst here at 24-7 Sports, he basically echoed that sentiment. And Katron Allen's going to come in. And, and, and by the way, Sean, getting to the finish line with Katron Allen, that was kind of one of those storylines that we weren't quite sure, maybe something that was a bit unresolved down the final stretch. So a big finish for them with Allen. The question here is about Singleton. I, I think either way, you shake up the room. I don't know who's leaving it. I can't imagine it remains intact as it's currently instructed. You're going to lose John Lovett, but I have to imagine there'll be other movement. And I'll give both these guys a shot to, to exit spring with the momentum they would need to be factors day one of the 2022 season. I, I mean, I think he's got a shot. He's got spring. Um, but if you look at what, and this is an unfortunate comparison that he's going to see a lot, Saquon Barkley, um, got one carry in his first game. So it's really tough for me to say that somebody's going to step in and be uh run RB one right away. Um, Singleton's incredibly talented physically. He's as ready to go as any, as any running back since Saquon. Um, but I just have a tough time seeing or just crowning a starter. I think he could be the type of guy that by the end of September, by the middle of October might be your, your RB one. But, uh, I, I just have such a, a tough time forecasting a true freshman as being a starter right off the bat. But he does have that spring to work with, which I uh, don't believe Saquon had. He is the first Gatorade National Player of the Year. And Saquon Barkley broke that news to him on Tuesday. Congratulations to him. Uh, just a fantastic season. He, Sean, he scored once every 3.8 touches as a senior in high school. And the numbers are just yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, it's going to be fun to follow uh, throughout the spring. And, of course, in that quarterback room, that's where a lot of the focus was today. Bo Prabula getting some spotlight. But dominating the spotlight as he has for some time in this Penn State recruiting class is Drew Aller, our number one quarterback in 24-7 sports rankings, the number three overall prospect, and a three-time guest of this podcast who joined us just last week and followed through. It was pretty darn drama-free considering you had Sean Clifford coming back uh, and you had a situation where you know Penn State didn't play its best football. This kid got the Ohio State offer. He lives a couple hours away. It wasn't working out with Quinn Ewers. This one could have gotten messy. It didn't. And that's a testament, in my opinion, to Aller, his family and the Penn State coaching staff. Yeah, they really did a good job locking this one down. And and I'll say that about the whole class. There really yeah. wasn't much drama at all. You had Jordan Allen decommitted because he took an official visit to Ole Miss. He signed with LSU today. So good for him because that's where he wanted to be all along. That's where his family, big LSU fans. Um, so happy for him to, to, to end up where he wanted to be. Um, and then Andre Roy today. And that's that's pretty much it. So. Um, you look at what the Penn State staff was able to do through the pandemic and coming out of it, uh, really built uh, built this one on a solid foundation. Um, even with a seven and five season, it's pretty incredible. But getting back to Drew, uh, the the most physically talented quarterback James Franklin will sign or has signed um, at Penn State. And I don't think I don't know that it's particularly close. I mean, he's got a lot of things going for him. Not only does he have the the ability to make plays and stuff, but he's got that size to, to fall back on nearly 6'5", 225, 230. Um, a guy that can move around in the pocket, make some, make some throws, throw some guys open and just really kind of do it all. He's got the, the mobility and the arm angles and, and basically every quarterback cliche that you've been throwing out since Patrick Mahomes became a big thing. Um, that's what Drew Aller has been able to do as a high school prospect. Now there's stuff to work on, no doubt about it. Um, just in terms of accuracy, in terms of, um, you know, just, uh, 
not trying to do too much. Uh, he can get away with stuff at the high school level that he won't be able to get away with the college level. But some of that, some of those physical tools really, you know, make up for what uh, make up for some of those decisions sometimes. So really, really excited to see him blossom because uh, you can't say enough about not only his talent, but the way he's handled himself as a, as a premier turning from a three-star prospect into a premier recruit. Yeah. There's no such thing as a perfect prospect, but uh, man, Drew Aller is, is basically exactly what the doctor ordered for James Franklin and this Penn state football program. I think it, it's a big reason why you made the splash and getting Mike Yersich to put yourself in this kind of a conversation and this kind of a competition and to get that early evaluation was big for them relatively early in the, in the grand scheme of this recruitment. And then additionally being able to, to manage bringing Drew on board, manage his ascension on the national landscape. When you know there's negative recruiting going on, he told us there was negative recruiting going on. You've got other coaching staffs trying to convince you that James Franklin's about to hit the road and, and take Mike Yersich with him, and you're going to be left with nothing in Happy Valley. Uh, and yet they get here with Bo Prabula too. And, and Bo would have had opportunities had he not committed to Penn State when he did. He already had a few Big Ten opportunities. I know also Ricky Ronnie was quick to offer him down at Old Dominion, but – when a kid who grew up wearing Penn State jerseys uh, around the neighborhood playing football commits to Penn State, a lot of the other programs aren't going to invest much time trying to cultivate a relationship with that guy. He did everything he was asked for as a high school prospect. He elevated Central York to a spot that that program had never been, including a state championship game appearance in 2020. And when I look at the body of work and what he meant to this group in terms of peer recruiting in the state of Pennsylvania – Man, I just feel like a lot of people are so enamored with Drew Aller that they have really quickly forgotten that Bo Perbula is going to come in and compete. And Mike Yersich is going to eventually see all these guys stand side by side by side by side. And you know, we'll see what kind of gap there is between one, two, three, four. But I think there shouldn't be as much of a gap between all those positions as there has in the past, because in Franklin's word, the quarterback room got healthier today and it has become healthier in the last few days with Sean Clifford staying on campus. That's going to be really important for the progression. Well, you look at it last year and if you're watching on YouTube, you had Clifford here, then you took a sizable jump before you got to Roberson in the Bayou and then those guys flip-flopped at the end. Now you've got Clifford here and you've got guys that can stagger all the way down to that. So you're not going from all the way as your full blown starter to a guy that's never taken a snap before, you've got a little bit of experience in value. You've got a lot of talent in Drew Aller and you've got a baller back there in Bro Pavula. Um, so just, it's so much healthier just in terms of the potential to find somebody out of this. And, and it's not guaranteed it's going to be Aller, not going to guaranteed it's going to be any, anybody, but your chances of finding the guy uh, after Sean Clifford significantly higher now than they were two days ago before these guys signed. Uh, question here, and it pertains to the quarterbacks, and we're going to talk about one of our favorites here is, can any of the receivers play early? And, and I think the easy answer is Caden Saunders. You dig a little bit deeper, you think, what about Amari Evans? And then Tyler Johnson is a wild card who they really liked and were impressed by. Caden Saunders, though, committed in July. He is in the neighborhood of the Ohio State Buckeyes. They did not offer him, but schools like Notre Dame, Alabama, were trying to get him on campus this spring for official visits. He didn't do it. He shut it down, and he was a huge peer recruiter. But on the field, he is precisely the kind of playmaker, I believe, that could come in and, and, and dazzle you pretty quickly and do the kind of things that remind you of a guy like a K.J. Hamler or a Jahan Dotson who's going to be gone. And fittingly enough, James Franklin described Caden Saunders, get ready for it, as a combination of K.J. and Jahan. No pressure. 
Nothing like setting the expectations really high. By the way, there's a question, <laughs> is quarterback still a priority for the staff to look at in the portal? It's not. You know, you're getting Clifford back. Uh, you're not going to look for another quarterback, especially with what you've got in there. Um, you know, last year you could have made a strong argument. Otherwise, this year you don't you don't have that. Um, but, yeah, Saunders is a guy. You throw him in the slot, um, in and out of breaks really quickly, puts his foot in the ground, runs uh, crisp roots. Um, and when you've got what you've got coming back, which is Parker Washington that, that can play inside out, you can find another guy like Saunders that can also play inside out and uh, hopefully get a little bit more, take that speed, get a little bit more of a downfield threat. Um, you know, you had that with Dotson this year, but you really didn't have that with those other guys. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he brings to the table because there's really not a whole heck of a lot in front of him. You've got uh, Parker Washington coming back, Keandre Lambert Smith coming back, Malik Mega we saw at the end of the year. But after that, very much up in the air in terms of guys that are going to contribute. So, and that's, uh, that's a reason that, you know, they're going to look in the portal as well to try and find a wide receiver. Cause they got a guy, they got to find a guy that can come in, not only come in, but come in and, and take significant reps in play. So i um, excited to see how those things um, come to fruition. Saunders um, ha- there's a lot to like about it. Um, you know, his, his high school quarterback situation was much stronger as a junior he had a really good junior year. And then this year they kind of had to feel it out for a while. They still had some success. Um, but, uh, you really, really like what he brings to the table and, and, and really this receiver class, um, getting a little bit clearer with moving driver and fla- and flowers to the other side of the ball. But a guy like Tyler Johnson, while he's probably not going to play early, gives you that athletic profile that you're looking for. Same with Anthony Ivy. And then you've got the fastest guy in the group, which is saying something. This is a pretty fast group in Omari Evans, who is a complete wild card. I mean, let's be honest with you. He's a high school quarterback. He's going to have to learn how to play wide receiver, but he's fast, man. And that's uh, something that this wide receiver unit could has sorely lacked for the last couple of years. And Omari Evans put in the effort, made the trip up, worked out for the staff, blew them away with the 40-yard dash time, sub 4-4. Um, and 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 looked, uh, you know, showed, showcased all the ingredients that Penn State uh, is seeking at the wide receiver spot, even though he's playing quarterback for his high school team. And we've seen that happen cycle by cycle. You see power five receivers uh, come out of a high school quarterback situation, but a lot of intrigue there. And, and especially since he's coming in January, I'd imagine he's going to have some catching up to do in terms of polish. Whereas Caden Saunders, uh, I really like his opportunity to transition, uh, get a head start, and be ready to compete in spring practice. I think at the at bottom line at this receiver group, Sean, I think you know what you have in Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith coming along. But it's going to be really fun to see guys like Mega and Evans and Saunders and Liam Clifford and Harrison Wallace, Harrison Wallace you know, yeah. go, going route for route for route from March through April, because that is a spot. I think we're going to see a lot of fluctuation. And you want to talk about health? Those names I'm reeling off, first, second-year guys, that's a pretty healthy situation. We'll see how it pans out. Yeah, I mean, they need experience. They, I'm mm-hmm. not ready to crown those guys. You know, Parker Washington's proven. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith is, is getting there. Um, but all those guys otherwise are are unproven. You you know, you you like the little bit that you saw from Mega at the end of the year. I think they give you something more athletically, and and no offense to the, the older guys from last year, but Cam Sullivan Brown and Daniel George, you just get something more with Mega and Harrison Wallace and these freshmen coming in. Um, so that, that's interesting. Another kind of subplot with these wide receivers here, um, Penn State was able to work um, some prospects out last summer due to the, the changes in rules, and I'm hoping, you know, this is something that they're going to put up uh, this year um you know it's not approved for next year or it's not approved for 2022 yet 
Um, but they work these guys out. They, they run them through drills. They test them and things like that. So it's like a personalized camp setting. And when you're trying to figure out guys that, you know, are on the line of an offer, you want to see what they have in a personalized setting. They did that with Amari Evans. He ran a 4-3-2. They did that with Tyler Johnson, ran a 4-4-7. Um, so these guys really showed out. And, you know, you can get stuff out of that. You can get competitiveness. You can get, uh, you know, kind of ball skills or something like or, or or something along those lines amari evans did not drop a ball when he was i mean uh, sean you that, so. you know what you know what franklin loves to do he says go dump the football on the goalpost you know like yeah. it's something that simple yeah yeah he i mean they're all over the place and it you know it's just working out with the coaches but i think you can tell a lot they they offered and accepted a commitment from jordan vanderberg because of one of these uh of these workouts they, they had him run the ring instead he ran the ring as as well as anybody he's your scout team player of the year and probably will make an impact next year in, in the rotation at defensive tackle. So I would love to see these things stay. I know the Penn State staff would as well. A uh, quick note on Jerry Cross. They list him at 255, 6 foot five. maybe the mystery man of this class. I know I talked about that at tight end a couple of years ago with Tyler Warren. Jerry Cross has kind of been tucked away, um, and he has not worked as a traditional tight end. He's been out and about, kind of the best athlete in the field role in the offense, didn't have a junior season. And when he committed to Penn State without visiting Penn State, he was about 218, 220. He's pushing 260 now, and he'll be on campus in a few weeks. Just consider that another kind of uh, – uh, I guess a, a fun thing to follow in the tight end room where you do not need someone to come in and play from day one. Um, so we'll see how it goes with Jerry Cross. Um, question here uh, is about uh, the offensive line uh, and that class. I mean, Drew just, Shelton just is one. mentioned. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a few. Drew Shelton is, is mentioned. as a, Does he get a shot as a starter? And then you see J.B. Nelson. J.B. Nelson, to me, is someone that needs to come in and push for a starting job. I don't know what they're going to do on the transfer portal, Sean, and I don't know where J.B. Nelson is going to be in terms of competing for it, but it feels like the need is there, and I don't know what Rasheed Walker's decision is still going to be. That's one that still hangs in the balance a, a bit, I suppose. I don't know what to make of Rasheed Walker at this stage of his career and where his head's at with the decision, but J.B. Nelson, number three overall JUCO prospect for us at 24-7 Sports. I talked to Chris Singletary, who oversees our junior college rankings last week, and he just feels like the uh, the aggression, the athleticism, the length. This guy, uh, for J.B. Nelson, um, he, he thinks he could play either side, either tackle position. Um, wrote about it on, up on lines247.com, but long story short is he's the kind of player – um, that you bring in on the perimeter and, and you say, well, you've, you've had two college seasons and one at the junior college level because of how it went with the pandemic. But are you ready to come in here in January and, and make it make it difficult for a guy like Jimmy Christ or a guy like Bryce Efner or a guy like Landon Langwall to automatically step up because they've been on campus? I think if you can get J.B. Nelson to at least not come on and take a back seat and at least make you think about it as a two deep component, that's key coming out of the spring because I don't know what they're going to come out of the portal with, and I don't know where Caden Wallace is going to land. I guess I just don't know much about the tackle spot. Yeah, um, that's that's a good one because I'm not even sure Nelson's a tackle. You know, he's a, a guy that can probably play there, but in an ideal situation, he's probably a guard. Um, you keep you saying know, that about Penn State tackles. A lot of Penn State tackles are guards. Yeah, and that's uh, that's what you get. And, you know, you saw what, uh, what Penn State trotted out there this year, and they struggled because of it. Um, but Nelson's got, he's got size, he's got length, athleticism. I'm just, I'm a, I'm gun shy to take any junior college offensive lineman and 
put them in a starting lineup. But we saw what happened when Anthony Wiggins showed up. He definitely needed some time in the in the in the uh, weight room under Dwight Galt, and, and you know he still didn't get where he needed to be. Um, so I'm curious to see what Nelson looks like. He's reshaped his body, done a really nice job. Um, he does have better length than than some of the guys that they've brought in. Um, he's your most realistic guy. There's a question here about Drew Shelton getting a shot to start this year. I I, I think Drew Shelton probably needs a redshirt year before he's ready to go. And also a change with Drew Shelton. He was going to enroll early. Now he's going to enroll next summer. So that's a you know, that could throw a wrench into some things, take some time to get that right weight on him. Um, but Nelson is a guy who can, he, he'd probably push for the two deep right away, but I don't, I'm, I'm so hesitant to make him a starter just because we haven't seen a junior college offensive lineman here at Penn state come in and, and, and grab it by the horns and go with it now. And the other thing to remember about JB Nelson, he's got four years to play three. So this is not a situation where you've got two to play two or three to play two, as you do with a typical junior college prospect. So I, I would lean on the side of no, but I'm more cautious. I know you're you're a risk taker, a daredevil, and things like that. So we'll see what happens there. Um, there was a question while we're on the offensive line, a question really early on about uh, you know did did Penn State hit on the positions they need to, or they positions that they could have done better with? I think the offensive line is the obvious answer here. I mean, you've got Drew Shelton, really good looking prospect, the a couple of years down the road. Uh, JB Nelson, the junior college guy, maybe pushes uh, next year. And then you got Malik McNeil, who's probably three years away from from doing anything except for punting and covering punts and leveling uh, tiny little returners in uh, in in New York State. Um, but uh, now nah, that that's a big question mark. You lost Andre Roy. Andre Roy, not the greatest prospect in the world, but a guy that you could maybe eventually see one day being a, a Big Ten starter. And we'll see how his career pans out. There just wasn't a, a ton of them out there. You're going to have to go portal. Um, they've they've offered Hunter Norzad out of Cornell, um, and that seems to be the top guy right now. Miles Frazier has an offer as well out of FIU. Um, but you, you're going to have to go this route. And I believe Andy Frank, um, Mark Brennan was on with Andy Frank um, after the James Franklin press conference said, this is basically going to be what Penn State does every year. You're going to have to grab an offensive lineman out of the portal because you're going to need somebody that, that's that been in a weight, weight program and be ready to go. Uh, they've done it a couple times with Lackawanna now. Um, Anthony Wigan, as you said, um, joined the program three years, got two starts this year, didn't break through as a starter, though, for you. Uh, you got a wide receiver out of Lackawanna, Norval Black, no longer on the roster. Defensively, you've gotten some safeties there. Uh, we'll see if J.B. Nelson's a hit on, on the offensive side of the football. And and looking at that need and that priority, the, another question here is, do you think this class is done, or are they saving their remaining spots for 2023? remaining spots go to the portal and and yeah. and when you when you look at the transfer portal right now James Franklin the first position he mentioned when he was asked about you know you're coming out of Wednesday you just signed 23 guys but what else are you looking for first thing he went to was the offensive line he mentioned wide receiver as a potential uh, quickly went to defensive end which is you know Arnold Ebikade obviously came in and played at a, a an all-american type level for you this year and then he said defensive tackle contingent on maybe how some things go and it's hard not to read into that and say well PJ Mustafer has a decision to make and, and that's going to really impact maybe what you do there he also mentioned linebacker Sean um so linebacker defensive end defensive tackle uh offensive line and wide receiver uh aggressive approach last year for the first time really in the transfer portal portal era and get ready for it again from the Nittany Lions 
Yeah, I mean, get ready for um, them to evaluate a lot of guys. They've already done that, um, and they continue to do that. Like I said, there's a lot of guys in the portal that are in the portal for a reason, and you you can't just just uh, just trust what everybody else does in terms of offering and things like that. So, yeah, offensive line huge priority. Uh, finding a pass rusher, maybe you know you look at defensive ends, and I know Jared Verse is in there from Albany, but you're looking for a guy that's maybe a little bit different than what you have. Penn State has a lot of those. Uh, the, those staunch uh, run-stopping type ends. They need somebody that can get, can get to the quarterback like Abikati last year. Linebacker, very interesting comment from James Franklin. I followed up with some people um, when Franklin said that they have to replace a couple big-time linebackers. What he meant was Ellis Brooks and Jesse Lucchetta, but I think you can throw Brandon Smith into that mix as well because you know certainly the, the possibility of him leaving is there, and it leaves you very thin at linebacker. They already tried to make a run at the, the kid from UNLV, whose name's escaping me right now, um, but we're unsuccessful in doing so. He's going to, to, to Mich- Michigan State, who is taking every transfer under the sun right now. Um, so it's, uh, it's a situation where they're going to have to be uh, diligent. They're going to have to uh, really figure out what they're looking for and, and not drag their feet and, and, and go with it. But I think until then, you know, there's some patience involved here. We talked about what uh, Abikiti went into the portal just after Christmas. Tangelo went into the portal, I think, on Christmas Day. Um, so there's going to be more that come that way. It's just a matter of finding the right guy. Um, and at the linebacker position, Penn State, um, we, we talked about Jay Sean Barham down the final stretch and how he ends up at Maryland. But uh, they end up with a couple guys here. Keon Wiley out of Philadelphia, a, a strong showing for Penn State across the state of Pennsylvania and a strong showing by the state of Pennsylvania with this senior group and a lot of guys who are going to play power football. Um, but, but Philadelphia was a big part of that, getting Wiley on board. Ken Talley early on in the recruitment. Linebacker was the focus. You know, In talking with him, it really seems like he understands – where Mother Nature has this heading for him as a defensive end. And Abdul Carter dude, is man. Yeah. Yeah. And then I talk about a, a thick guy who looks like he's ready to go and wreck people uh, at the high school level, especially. We'll see how he looks on a, on a Penn State practice field. But Abdul Carter is, is right where you want a linebacker to be entering your program physically, Sean. Um, and, and let's face it, linebacker, there's, it's not just, hey, maybe you'll lose someone else from this room. It was thin this year, and they were relatively healthy over the course of this. They had some injections. They had to mix and match a little bit at certain points. But they were playing with fire this year, and they didn't get burned, but they can't do that again from a depth perspective. No, they can't. They're they're young there in their depth in terms of Elston's a red shirt, going to be a red shirt sophomore. Jamari Budden and Kobe King will be coming off of red shirts. So you get a little bit of infusion of numbers there, but you're replacing Brooks. You're possibly to probably replacing Smith. Lots going to be on Curtis Jacobs next year, and that's you know falling back what five five scholarship linebackers. Um, it, it would not surprise me. Now, n- number one, they're definitely going to try and go to the portal for a guy, but it would not surprise me to see them try in January um, with one of those spots available um, for the uh, 2022 class to try and find a linebacker. I don't know what's out there. I don't think there's a there's a ton, um, but maybe that's a, a where you take a chance on an athlete or something like that. Um, I think someone had asked about stashing scholarships. That's a thing of the past in terms of uh, how that works anymore. You're not taking things and and moving them to the next class. You're moving them to the portal and just worrying about that 85 scholarship uh, number right there. So um, from a 2022 perspective, offensive line still out there. From a 2022 perspective, linebackers still out there. And for the most part, portal's probably your focus right now. 
We also had a question on a special teams returner. Could could Omari Evans, Caden Saunders, Tyler Johnson, the receivers factor in there? Sure, I think Saunders Saunders gets a head start in everything in, in the spring. So does Omari Evans, but they've talked about special teams returner as as a role with with Caden Saunders since they offered him. Um, and, and as we said, a few of those uh, you know, both both way guys, Driver, um, Flowers, they were mentioned as returners. Um, Sean, I think it's fair to say in future episodes we're going to kind of parse through this class in greater detail, go more position by position but as we kind of put a, a wrap up on on this episode and we'll look at for some final questions um you look through the class we've mentioned a bunch of names um under the radar sleeper types uh, that you like we heard we heard cam miller as a choice uh from cooper patagna earlier he's a top 24 7 guy so maybe kind of discluded from this situation but uh who do you think maybe everyone generally is maybe looking past a bit today two three years down the line it's a different story well, the problem with having what fourteen or fifteen, uh, three or four and five star guys is you kind of run out of sleepers. Um, KJ Winston's obviously a guy that I've talked about a lot. Been a big fan of his for a long, long time. I will, I will say this: when in talking to Terry Smith, they think a lot of Keon Wiley. Uh, they think mm -hmm. that he, you know, might be the best defensive player in this class, according to to Franklin. Quietly, maybe the, or excuse me, according to Smith, quietly, maybe the best defensive player in this class. That's some high praise right there because um, I'm a big Abdul Carter fan. Uh, Keon Wiley's got, to, to me, he's got some filling out to do. Um, but if you can hit on Keon Wiley, um, that's uh, that's saying something. So I, I've typically defaulted to KJ Winston and Tyler Johnson as my sleepers for this class. But Keon Wiley's a guy that when you talk to, the more people you talk to, the the more your eyes are open to him. I thought you were going to go Alex Paqueta, uh, the, the punter too out of easy. Atlanta. Too easy. Too slash, easy. And Penn State, too podcast guest. Two long snappers, by the way, uh, Blaze Sochek, Minnick, and Will Patton. Uh, they're they're walk-ons, but they are as equally yeah. important as all these other guys. So just had to get before that one you, in there. Before you send flaming text tweets at Sean, they are walk-on additions, not taking up those valuable scholarships. I know everyone's concerned about the numbers right now. Um, I, I'm going to go Bo Prabula, and and you know I, I say this because you know he he didn't he hasn't cracked that four-star status for us at 24/7 Sports. Um, so you know, they're looking at a guy who comes in as a three-star juxtaposed against the number one quarterback prospect. And I don't know if it ultimately happens here uh, for Bo Perbula. I know he's going to fight tooth and nail for it to happen at Penn State. This is truly his dream school. About as much as you can tie that that, that phrase to any recruit that I can recall coming to play for the Denny Lions. But I think he's going to start a significant amount of college football games over the course of the next four or five years. Um, I, there's, I, I just I think he's too impressive of a component in your locker room and on the field when, when they get rolling a bit uh, where it, even if he is not the best quarterback on this team, he'll find the right fit. Um, so I don't want to already talk about transfer stuff, but the fact is, Sean, they have signed two two quarterback classes in the past. Those two quarterback classes have not made it to a second season together. And I'm talking about under James Franklin. So this may be a, a, an 18-month situation. Both guys are approaching it right. I think Drew Aller, everyone has him as the odds-on favorite to, to blow up and do something special here. Uh, but I think whether it's a Penn State or somewhere else, uh, Bo Perbula is going to be proved to be a Power 5 starting quarterback, and, and he's going to do it in a really uh, respectful manner, a guy that's going to be a team captain. Yeah, and you look at uh, – you kind of compare him to McSorley. You compare uh, the situation to McSorley. When he came in, he was the lower ranked below Michael O'Connor. Um, obviously, you know, the the high school accolades and everything were were awesome for both McSorley and Prabula. Heck of a football player. I don't disagree with you whatsoever. I think he's 
he's competing with somebody that's a little bit more talented than than O'Connor. Although O'Connor, you know, was a, a serviceable quarterback uh, in his own right in his own career in, in Canada. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's such a big hill to overcome. But to be honest with you, following Bo Perbula since he was a freshman or sophomore, wouldn't shock me in the least. And you know what? Good point here from Zach. Anthony Ivey does not get nearly enough love, probably. He committed really early. He's a guy who was kind of in the backyard. I think you and I both saw him coming off of his freshman year to camp. We were like, he's going to get offered by Penn State. He'll probably end up at Penn State. That all came to fruition. Buddies with Bo Prabula. You're probably right. Uh, he's also not enrolling early, though, which is a big part of what we we're saying about Caden Saunders and maybe Omari Evans. So he'll have some catching up to do. But I, I do think he's a very smooth receiver. And a good point there, Zach. Um, something that we don't get to do, get checked in live time here on the show usually. Um, Sean, I think that's going to do it for us now. We're going to do our best between now and early enrollment to have a bunch of these guys on. We had Drew Aller on last week, but if you've listened to our podcast here in recent years, you know we do a good job of getting these recruits on campus before they become Penn State freshmen. We're going to try to do that again. I'm not sure when we're coming to you with our next episode. We just dropped one this morning, in fact, with Brian Doan breaking everything down. Uh, Sean, I, I know we're both running out of voice. We're running out of, uh, of brain power on, on a long day or signing day, but uh, kudos to you covering this cycle. Um, turned out to be a lot more enjoyable than covering that last 2021 recruiting cycle. And the next step is everything that matters. How are we going to talk about these prospects on the post-game podcast next year and the falls to come? Because that's ultimately what determines whether you sign a good class or not. Yeah, we'll be doing this this time next year. Uh, Penn State's got a jump on the 2023 cl class with several commits already there. Um, so, yeah, we'll just uh, change the names and do it all over again uh, next year. <laughs> well, thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. On behalf of Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. Thanks to everyone who joined us live. If you're listening to this later, you can always circle back and check us on YouTube uh, at the Lions 24-7 channel. Nice to engage with some of the audience members. We'll try to come up with this format again sometime soon. Enjoy. Well, signing day is over. Coverage is on lines247.com. We're going to try to find some din dinner and eventually bed. Take care, folks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.